the first time that you say no and then hold that no and then remind the person lovingly that no, this isn't going to allow it. It gets easier the more that you do it. I really realized that I wasn't lit up by the weight loss so much. And I never was actually. I was a weight loss mindset coach. I never cared what people ate or how they exercised because we all know what to do. We just don't do it. And the reason so many of us don't do it is because we have really poor boundaries. We say yes to everybody else all day and no to ourselves and then wonder why we stay up late knee deep in Tim Tams watching Netflix with the inappropriate respect for sleep for tomorrow. This is our time that we are finally allowing ourselves to receive and not in a helpful or nourishing way. And it was not just linked to weight in so many areas of our life. So by actually modeling that, holding that, my whole life began to change. Hey, my name is Olivia D'Souza. I'm dedicated to helping multi-passionate entrepreneurs turn their dreams into reality by building a career and a life they love and making a positive impact in the world. I'm a podcast and social media manager, a singer-songwriter, a kids' music creator, a fadishta, a wife and a mum. I'm the secret weapon behind many six- and seven-figure entrepreneurs, helping them shine a line and call in the people they are here to serve. And now I'm here to help you. This podcast is here to help you learn and be inspired. You will learn about podcasting, lead generation, business, and all about the real life stories of people behind the businesses just like you. Think of it as a place to hang out with your like-minded business bestie who gets what it's like. So grab a cuppa and hit subscribe so we can hang out again. This is Magnetic Pod, the podcast. I am here and I'm ready to be brave. They cannot miss me, I'll stand on every stage. I'm available for my destiny to reach my people. Gonna be a star, so if you pass on me. Hello, welcome to another episode of Magnetic Pod. Today, our guest is Suzanne Kulberg, an international mindset coach, author, and speaker. And she also has a podcast called The Nope Coach, which I just love that name. It caught my attention, which is extremely binge-worthy and packed full of value. Suzanne helps overgivers and people pleasers to learn to say no without feeling any guilt and to become more confident in setting boundaries. She believes in normalizing the concept of setting boundaries and advocates for saying no more often. She is a certified practitioner of NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, and has a Bachelor of Medical Science with Honours. She's a certified sacred depths practitioner. We'll get into that in the episode. And an author of the book, The Beginning is Shit, an Unapologetic Weight Loss Memoir. You are so good with coming up with names, I've got to say, Suzanne. Thank you. I receive that. She lives in Sydney, Australia with her family, and she shares her journey through her coaching, her speaking engagements, writing, and her newsletter, as well as her podcast. So welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Absolute pleasure. I've been really enjoying binging on your podcast. So how about we start? about the fact that you were a clown once. I knew that was going to come up on Olivia's booking sheet. It's like, what's some random fact or something that people don't know about you? So I'm very shy. I'm socially awkward and an introvert, which people don't believe, but I shine online. But yes, my very first paid job was as a clown. What I didn't tell you was I lasted exactly one day. So, yes, were you very exuberant clown or did you just... what? Tell me the story. How did this happen? So my father worked at a photo lab back before the age of digital where you drop your photos off for one-hour photos and they had some promotions and they were like, we want people to hand out balloons. So my friend and I got paid. We dressed up. Her mum did our makeup and we handed out balloons to little kids and scared them as well as ourselves and we were never asked back. (laughs) That was that. 
I can relate to that. My family had a photo developing place too. It was high pressure because you had to get it out in an hour. And that was inside of a news agency. And I also was a shy child and I was mortified at the idea of having to sell papers. That's how old I am. And stand out going, Harold, and I just went, no, I'm not calling out for anybody. Yes, no, my <laughs> so, kids don't know the horror of things not being instant and having to wait. And, yeah, the pressure to get them out in an hour, it's kind of like pizza. You used to be if you order your pizza and it's more than half an hour, it's free. It was kind of like our thing. If you didn't get your photos in an hour, it was free and the pressure. It was very stressful for our family. Then we had a flood and it got destroyed and we got the money for it. We got rid of it. Anyway, I'd love to get a bit of a personal insight to you. So, okay, tell us about your journey. How did you become the Nope Coach? and be all about setting boundaries? Oh, because I never had any. You teach what you most need to learn so that you can learn it. Mm. So actually, going way back, hence Bachelor of Medical Science, I was going to be a doctor. I left that in fifth year to pursue personal training, which I did for a while. Then I decided to become a teacher and I didn't last long there. So anyway, I moved around a bit, ended up in coaching, had a personal weight journey, hence my book, The Beginning of Shit, was a weight loss mindset coach for four or so years. And I transitioned my business from one-to-one coaching to a membership, which hamstringed my income. I'm nothing if not transparent. Like I didn't have very good boundaries. So a lot of my clients like, why would you pay one-to-one fees if you can get the same service for a fraction of the cost? So I didn't anticipate a lot of my clients dropping back from one-to-one to to the membership. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I still did messenger coaching. I still followed up their emails. I didn't have the boundaries. I'm not going to be all blaming. It was me. And from there, a whole journey about saying no and being clear on the different values of the offers. And from that point, I ended up transitioning my my entire business that way. Wow. So how did you learn that? How did you learn to say no? Because really listening to that story, resentment will build up and it's not good for anybody. Exactly. (laughs) Brene Brown says, choose discomfort over resentment. So basically what happened was I realized a large part of the problem was me because I was the one who was continuing to say yes. And when people said, are you just this once or you don't mind, do you? And I did mind. Mm-hmm. In the group, I didn't point fingers at any one particular person. I did a Facebook Live, which I was shaking, and I basically said, this is what's happened, what you allow will continue. Up until now, this is how it's been. Going forward, this is how it will be. And let me just say, when you stop people-pleasing, some people are not pleased. It was pushed back and some people who were very unhappy. And just holding that line, we understand working our physical body and building up our muscles. I came from a personal training and weight release background. You don't go into the gym and walk straight up to the heavy end and expect to be able to lift those dumbbells. So the same with boundaries. The first time that you say no and then hold that no and then remind the person lovingly that no, this isn't going to allow it, it gets easier the more that you do it. I really realized that I wasn't lit up by the weight loss so much. And I never was actually. I was a weight loss mindset coach. I never cared what people ate or how they exercise because we all know what to do. We just don't do it. And the reason so many of us don't do it is because we have really poor boundaries. We say yes to everybody else all day and no to ourselves and then wonder why we stay up late knee deep in Tim watching Netflix with the inappropriate respect for sleep for tomorrow, this is our time that we are finally allowing ourselves to receive and not in a helpful or nourishing way. And it was not just linked to weight in so many areas of our life. So by actually modeling that, holding that, my whole life began to change. Wow. Is this part of why you went on the weight loss journey? Can you tell me how that happened and what was the motivation? So in a very nutshell, my 
Mum put me on my first diet when I was four to fit the flower girl dress for my sister's wedding. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, we had a dress fitter come in and measure us all, and I'd always seen my mum and my sister suck in their belly when they try on stuff. So when the dress fitter was measuring me, I sucked in my belly. The fact that she didn't notice I find curious to this day. But anyway, so the dress came. It didn't fit by far. And I'd like to think if it was my child, we learn by doing, that I'd be like, let's just pay and get this taken out. But my mum was like, no, you're going on a diet. So I four. Oh four. my goodness. So I had a lifelong many decade journey with my weight going up and down. That's why I ended up writing a book about it. Because every book I'd read was always this before my life was terrible. After my life was amazing. <laughs> and there was no up and down. I was like, surely I'm not the only one who's had this roller coaster thing. So I decided I was supposed to write the book because I lived it. That was my weight journey. And then when I started my own business, I found a lot of parallels between growing a business and losing weight. And then so they say what life's lived forward and understood backwards. Whenever I'd gone on a diet, I'd force myself to eat less and move more and whatever. My overgiving, my overconsuming tendency would go from overeating to overworking or over shopping, overspending. Like I was filling that void in me with other things. That's when boundaries and stuff is addressing that void head on, not masking it with food or work. And some things are more socially acceptable, like overworking or over exercising. People are often applauded for those things, but anything done to excess is not healthy. And over exercising is how I ended up injuring my back. So it was like, why am I always overdoing things? Because I didn't have an ability to say no without feeling mean. I don't know if I can swear on your show. <laughs> Yes, you go right ahead. I would say without feeling like a bitch. So yeah. Bitch is not a swear word. You can do better than that. Oh, I totally can. <laughs> if you've listened to my show, you'll hear. I love when people come on and they're like, can I swear here? I'm like, have we met? So it sounds like in a way it wasn't really a weight loss journey so much as a complete personal development journey. Yes, but it started off through weight. And I think for many people, whatever they're in is, it could be losing weight, it could be growing a business, it could be whatever. It's never the presenting problem because most of us know what to do. With weight loss, you to eat less and move more that somehow you're getting in your way. With business, putting yourself out there and the uncomfortableness of people saying no to you, a lot of the stuff, that's not really the block. It's something else. And for me and for many people I work with, it is that boundary thing, knowing when's enough's enough and knowing that it's okay to say yes to you. People pleasing doesn't pay at all, especially not in the long run. And yeah, to actually take that time and know I have done this and that that is the end rather than being at it all the time. Right. So have you found that basically putting yourself first more often naturally resulted in making better choices and therefore losing weight. Is that how it worked for you? Well, I think of it like this. We understand giving and receiving are paired, like inhaling and exhaling. You can't have one without the other. If you go to a door that's pushed, the other side will be pulled. There's forward and back. Many of us become overgivers because they're like, I'm not overgiving, I'm just generous. But overgiving is paired with overconsuming. So if all day you don't do anything for you, you're just like in the morning, I'm running around after my kids and getting their lunches made and getting them off to school. And then I'm working my job or working as an entrepreneur and I'm responsive to emails and texts and I'm always the person. And then your body's screaming, can we do a stretch or can we get up from our desk? Or like some people I work with, they don't even take a toilet break. They're always overdoing, overgiving all day long. Then in the evening, that push without a pull, that giving without receiving, it needs a pair. So the overconsuming starts usually binge watching a show or binge eating or binge scrolling or playing Candy Crush or whatever, that over-consuming happens to balance out the over-giving you do all day. So when you put yourself first, when you're like, can you do this? No, or no thanks, or not right now. Like I love it when people say, what are you doing right now? Nothing. And then 
they start giving me things to do. And I'm like, no, no, I'm not saying I'm available to do all this stuff. I am doing nothing. That's it. The end. <laughs> so by taking little pockets of time for yourself during a day, have a cup of tea and drink it while it's hot. Do some stretches. Get up from your desk and walk around. Sit in the sun for five minutes. Get some vitamin D and actually do those things during the day. Then at the end of the day, you're not over exhausted, overextended. Because what do we do when we take a break? Most of us go to our email. That's not a break. It's simply switching activities. It's going from your to-do list to someone else's because chances are there's going to be all these messages from people who want your attention. And then that's not actually a break at all. So taking those little pockets of time for yourself during the day and guarding them like a dragon hoards its treasure so that then you don't need to fill up on crap and social media and too much TV at night because you've not overdrawn yourself. I love that. I love that you could quote that. Checking your email is not a break. It's going to somebody else's to-do list. That's true. I mean, I've scrolled and ended up and seen there's some message of something I've got to deal with for work. Now I know that's there and I was just about to go to sleep. So We're so I, hyper-connected so, now because sometimes mm. too, if people don't respond to your email, then they'll DM you or then they'll message you again. My pet peeve is someone who sends me a message can see that it's red and then just sends me a question mark and I'm like, oh, you're not actually no. getting makes- me my... It's makes, rude. <laughs> makes you scared to open the message, doesn't it? It's like they'll see it. And sometimes you've opened it. You, you might have a kid around you or just got your hands full or in the middle of cooking or something. You don't necessarily have the ability to even read it necessarily. It just shows like you've read it because it was opened. Yeah, or if your kids have your phone and they're playing with it or watching YouTube and it comes in and they click on it and click out, you might not have legitimately seen it because the kids left you on red. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so do you want to tell me a bit about these trainings you've done? I've heard of NLP and that sounds amazing. What, so what are the tools NLP that you've got? Yeah. Is, for anyone who's not familiar with it, neurolinguistic programming, the easiest way I can think of describing it is imagine you, like a computer, you have hardware and you need upgrading. So it's basically about putting in new drivers or installing new things so that you can handle stuff quicker and easier. So it's about mindset. A lot of people hear it and freak out because NLP used for bad is when you're watching an infomercial or you're at one of these training days and they're like, get your credit card out and run to the back of the room. And part of you is like, I don't want to do this, but you're handing over. That's NLP used for bad. NLP use for good is getting you closer, faster to the goals that you actually set for yourself. And the other training, I've done a lot, they're my main ones, a certification called Sacred Depths through a lady called Joanna Lindenbaum. She's a trauma-informed coach and words cannot describe that program working with Joanna. It's like rewiring negative beliefs, befriending your fears. A lot of us, we know that we have something we're afraid of and I don't mean phobias, though I suppose you could use it on that. But I mean, to say for, imagine a lot of your listeners in business or starting a podcast or growing a podcast fear of visibility or fear of trolls or something like that. The way we learn about it in Sacred Depths is we don't want to banish or eviscerate our fears. They have a place. Like in our house, a smoke detector has a place. (laughs) The problem is sometimes, most of the time, it goes off for burnt toast. Instead of a legitimate fire. So the coaching I do with people, is this a legitimate fear or is this some burnt toast that we just need to open a window for? And knowing that gives everything a place rather than trying to eviscerate or rid ourselves of something that actually has a useful function when it's working correctly. That's really interesting because we can't push the negative stuff down, can we? It's about knowing how to, I guess, hack it and see it and release it. Even the term release is that's a word you used for your weight loss too, as opposed to- choice because I encourage everyone if you're not driving or if it's safe to do so to close your eyes and think of losing something. We don't have a good connotation with the term loss. If you think of losing your keys or your phone or your wallet or your kids in the shopping center, I have done that once. It was only a few minutes, longest few minutes of my life. You immediately feel like for me, I feel my belly clenching 
and my throat going dry and like you feel like, oh, so you have subconscious wiring that loss is bad, loss is negative. And then you're like, well, I want to lose weight. The body doesn't understand that being a good thing. So you can do work as NLP processes, as processes you can do with a coach to unpack all that, or you can just change the word. So hence I say weight release because I don't no longer thank you for your service, farewell, rather than lose and then unconsciously be trying to find again. Because none of us actually care how much we actually weigh. We do in the sense that we've got our value assigned to a number perhaps, but it's actually a limitation of the English language because I noticed when I was learning a bit of Portuguese because that's my background they say which is basically literally fat enough <laughs> to get fatter or said, which is to get thinner but they don't have a word the fact that we use weight is a limitation anyway but but the uh, language fascinates me because when you think about it gratitude is something a lot of people talk about and you should be grateful gratitude lists gratitude practices get gratitude diaries I have a personally a very negative connotation with that word because growing up all I heard was you should be grateful <laughs> you should be grateful they're starving children in Africa. You should be grateful. Other people have it worse than you. So is it little wonder I don't want to sit down and write a gratitude list? However, when I changed out the word to appreciation, I can get behind that. I appreciate clean drinking water. I appreciate being invited to speak on a podcast. There's so many things I appreciate, but gratitude is loaded. And I think mm-hmm. when we unpack our own personal word allergies, because other people, they might have no issues with this, but it's interesting. A lot of people I work with, they have word allergy to hard work. I don't. Hard work. Yes, I feel good, but mm-hmm. I need to earn this. And if there's pressure if there's loading with it what can you swap it out for that basically means the same thing rather than spending dollars on coaching or therapy to unpack it actually i'm interested to know is it easier for you does it get easier with practice how do you say no in a way that doesn't offend it gets easier with practice in the beginning it feels uncomfortable and weird because you haven't done it before but it's amazing how very few people give you the pushback the stories you have in your head about what they must think or what you're making it mean a lot of the time aren't the reality that is the case when you ask for a boundary to be set. And even if it is, the worst case scenario happens and you realize actually it wasn't that bad and I navigated through it. It reminds me of that meme, that gift that goes around, but did you die? Yeah. <laughs> I asked for a raise or I asked if they could come earlier or I asked whatever and it wasn't well received or whatever, but did you die? Well, no. And then because you've done it before, the next time it's easier. I remember the very first time someone asked me to teach in their group and I said you know, that I have a speaker's fee. That would be a fee associated with that. And then realizing, following that through to fruition. So if they said to me, no, they weren't willing to pay that. For me, it was, I'll just buy that hour back for myself. Because when you're teaching something, it's not just an hour. There's the preparation time. There's the follow-up afterwards. There's all this stuff that goes into it. Are you willing to hold the flip side, the worst case scenario? So say you have a client that you set a boundary with, and then your mind's going, they might leave or they might not work with me again. That may be true. But then that opens up a spot for a more aligned client to come in and fit that spot who is maybe less energy and effort and work on your part and that you're a better fit to work together. Saying no, setting boundaries doesn't make either of you wrong. This is not really a fit. So I look at price increases and things that I've done where I've been like, the brain goes to worst case scenario. No one's ever going to sign up with you again. Everyone thinks you're only in it for the money or whatever. But instead of abolishing those thoughts, spending a few moments to unpacking them, is this really true? What do you think when people up their prices? I had a massage recently. I get a massage about once a month. I love that. I'll own that privilege. And Mm -hmm. they said, to me, we've put our prices up. And I was like, oh, okay, fair enough. When I went to pay, they put their prices up by $5. I was like, that <laughs> barely warrants a mention to me. I'm not saying I have all the money in the world to throw around, but I could see them breathing deep and eyes going everywhere. And I put my price up and I was like, it's $5. So to me, that's cool. No worries at all. 
But I imagine other people would have a different reaction, but you don't have to have the massage. If you don't want to set aside the dollars, you can use those funds elsewhere. And knowing that there's a client at every price point and a critic at every price point, even free. I run free trainings and people are like, oh, the time doesn't work for me. In the beginning, I would change times or I'd do this. Now I'm like, cool, well, if you want to work with me when works best for you, cha-ching. But it takes a while to get to that spot. Yeah, that's right. And usually being paralyzed by the thought, the fear, is worse than the actual thing happening and dealing with it. It's the stories we run through our heads that it's really fascinating, isn't it? The stories we run in our head run the programs. And I guess that's why these tools that you've developed or learnt, but also developed from your learned experience. Really, really important. For me, the biggest one that always brings me back is if it is a price increase or if it is something that someone's asked me about that I'm happy to do, but actually is a paid service and I worry about the pushback or whatever. I don't say it to them, but I remind myself, I can buy that hour back for myself. So if somebody wants to pick my brain and I send them a link for a session, oh, I don't want to hire you. I just want to pick your brain. I don't know you from Adam. You're not entitled to my time. And I think you don't have to say that, but just knowing that I don't need to do this. I can spend that time with my kids or with my family or cleaning my house or sitting in the sun or whatever, but we don't have to do these things. It always gives me back some freedom. I'd rather have that time myself and invest that in me than have someone else ask me something, especially when it's really clear. Like when you're early in business and you don't have any clients or anything, sure, say yes to all the opportunities. But when you get along and your time is shorter, then being a bit more mindful of it. If people message me and go, I want to ask you about, someone messaged me the other day on Instagram, can I ask you about your business or something? And I wrote back and said, sure, just let me know where I haven't been clear on my website, my podcast, or is it a question about working with me? And they just didn't respond. (laughs) Do you do discovery calls, by the way? I do. They are very deliberately difficult to find because (laughs) I want people to have had a bit of a look at my stuff. I do discovery calls and I love how you worded that. I don't do sales calls as such because I want them to have read my website, be familiar with the way that I work and what are your questions rather than so like uh, different people run their businesses like you do you is my philosophy mm-hmm. and I want people to have had a little bit of effort and go okay I want to know about working together further not the banner or the hero of my website is jump on a call. I'm not interested in all that because for me if they need to be led from the very first time that we connect, we're not going to work well together because I work with self-led people. So yes, you do do them. You have to have a little bit of work to find where the link is. That's interesting. Yeah. Because along the way, I've realized I've put in a a few qualifying things and finding out if they've checked the pricing and stuff, because I don't expect people to sign up from a discovery call, but I have sometimes been a little bit surprised when on the call, they'll say straight up that they've got no budget well, it's interesting anything. just I, I did do one last week. So they went through all the stuff to find it, which was great. One of the pre-qualifying questions is, you realize that this will be investment of time, energy, and money? And they said yes. And then we had the call and I gave them the options. And then they messaged back and said, I don't have the money. And it's funny because I'm very clear on my prices everywhere. I believe in price transparency, each to their own. If you don't have your web prices out, that's okay for you. But my prices is very clear. So there's probably something else there, which I could explore if they wanted to. But for me, if they really want to do it, they will. And if they not the fine excuse. So I'm like, cool, next. All right. And your podcast, by the way, are you still doing it daily? Yeah, I've got a hundred days challenge. And today I think it's either day, as we're recording, this is either day 84 or day 85. So when I get to hundred, I'm pretty sure I'm going to extend it out to 365 because I'm really enjoying it. Fantastic. What do you enjoy about it? My podcast is funny. I know you teach about podcasting and stuff, so it's probably going to fly in the face and everyone listening, it. you do, I, there you are do no you. Rules. No, there are so no rules. I have no jingle. I have no show notes. I have no call to action. 
Brisbane. Literally, I have a spreadsheet with a list of topics that interest me. I look through it and I go, oh, which one do I feel like talking about today? And I hit record. And then if I have a guest on, and I know that you'll be coming on, so it'd be fabulous. <laughs> if we've got an idea, I know I've followed them or I'm familiar with them, I'll float it by them. But I just hit record because I find a lot of the gems come out in the pre-record and then you try and get to the episode and you can't find the magic again. And I keep it short, five to 15 minutes. And I figure if people want to listen to more, they can pick up previous day's episode or listen to it again. For me, it's that that little gem and that action step that you take and actually do. Because how many of us listen to so many things, we pay a lot of attention and then we go, oh, nothing in my life's changing. This personal development, this is no good. But we've got no intention behind it. So why are you listening to an episode? Why are you reading a book? Why are you turning up for a training? What are you hoping to receive? Because then you put your brain, like your reticular activating system out to look for that. And then what can you apply? Because if you spend five minutes listening to my podcast and then 10 minutes taking an action, I think that's so much more fabulous than listening to something for an hour and not actually doing anything. Love it. I basically share what I've learned from what works for me, what works for clients and what I observe. But I also always add, there's no one solution. There's these ways and if you need a bit of guidance, but absolutely, there's no one way to do it. And I think getting your energy behind and believing in your way of doing it and feeling really positive about it is really, really important. And the other thing I like about it being daily is some days I feel like shit, but because I have commitment to doing it, you get to see the whole full gamut of life. I think so many people online, they only share the highlight reel. Mm -hmm. And then we feel like, oh, I just can't get my shit together. I wish I was like them. Whereas with the daily show, I did an episode recently where I was like, I just didn't want to record this today. And it would have been so easy just to skip one day. What's one day going to do? But for me, as soon as I go, oh, today won't hurt, I know that's my tell as the beginning of the end. (laughs) So then I talk about that. And I think there's something about that that is missing a lot from the world where we only show the good angle and the good lighting and everything. Yeah, I do love when people reveal the ups and the downs and the reality of it. So how can people find you if they want to work with you or want to follow you? Best place to find me is my website. So it's suzannekohlberg.com, S-U-Z-A-N-N-E-C-U-L-B-E-R-G. You'll see about my program. If you dig around and you want to have a discovery call, you'll find it. (laughs) And if you click on podcast, there's a link to The Note Coach there, which is my daily show. I absolutely love that. And if you want a bit of fun, sign up for my newsletters. They are unique content that I don't share anywhere else. And I deliberately don't do a freebie checklist, some ethical bribe. You sign up for my emails because they're cool. (laughs) Love it. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. So what were your key takeaways from today? Did it raise any questions? What would you like to know more about? Let me know. You can contact me via social media or email. I don't care which way you use. Just reach out to me. I'd love to chat with you. And remember, you can get access to lots of free podcast resources that will help you get started or help you improve your podcast at livymusicmedia.com forward slash freebies. Hit subscribe because I want to see you again. But for now, go forth, be the awesome person you are, live the life you want to live and have fun. You've got this. See you next time. Show them who I be, unavoidable everywhere you see. Me reach my people, claim my power, there's no hierarchy. It is me and the universe, baby, rock solid and so ready to reach my people. 
Hello, it's Libby here. Have you ever wondered about what the key elements are that make a podcast truly stand out? Or maybe you're thinking about starting your own special podcast and feel a bit overwhelmed and don't know where to start. Well, I have something for you. Introducing the ultimate podcast checklist. It's a step-by-step guide that covers everything from the initial brainstorming to advanced growth strategies. It's the perfect companion for both new and seasoned podcasters. And the best part, it's absolutely free. (laughs) To grab your coffee, simply head to the show notes of this episode and you will find a direct link there and then away you go. Remember, every podcast started with that initial spark and the right resource. So let the ultimate podcasting checklist be yours.